Monty Bessler, and I'm with uh, Frackinator Consulting, actually the owner, and uh, I'm here uh, in North Dakota, and I'm involved calling about the, uh, talking about the uh, Williston Basin API chili cook-off. Outstanding. We just had gumbo on last week, which is coming up around the corner, and then of course we got the, like you said, the granddaddy of them all, kind of the one that kicked it all off, and uh, talk to me a little bit about this uh, chili cook-off, the history, and what you what you know about it. Well, it, it started in uh, 1981. This is actually the 38th annual chili cook-off. Uh, I actually became involved with it in 1987 when I moved from Dickinson to Williston and uh, been involved with it to some level ever since. I've been the master of ceremonies. I've been the president of the api chapter so i've been involved and i've been a board member many many years so uh, the uh, api chili cook cook off is one of the three primary fundraisers that the williston basin api chapter has for their charitable donations uh, this is the first one of the year uh, and then we have our golf tournament in july and then we have a, a banquet Awards banquet in November, typically. So those three make up the majority of our our uh, income producing. The uh, API chapter, of course, uh, is a uh, local, the local chapter here, and we donate to quite a few uh, local charities, uh, school events. Uh, we also have uh, several scholarships. We have endowments at Montana Tech, uh, UND, and here at Williston State College that are fully funded. In fact, uh, this chapter here is pulling up just, and I believe this is just counting probably the last 10 years or so that we really started tracking our donations. We're pulling up on a million dollars that we've uh, we've donated to the endowments and local, local charities. So we feel pretty good about that. Um, it's a big event, uh, 25 teams, uh, it's been held at the Grand Williston Hotel for as long as I can remember, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, what kind of chilies do they have? It's, it, um, is it primarily your standard chilies from one to five alarm, or is there kind of some alligator or, you know what I mean, some, some different chilies? Oh, we, uh, we used to, uh, originally, probably the first 10 years or so that I was involved with it, we tried to follow the, the, the national chili uh, competition rules, not because we could, we were a, a certified event, but just to standardize it for judging purposes. But eventually we realized that, hey, this is a charity event. What we want is people to come. We want people to see things and do things that, are going to make them want to come back. And as, as a consequence, we've migrated away from that. And yet today you see um, several different kinds of chilies. Uh, people tend to still stick to the, um, I would call it uh, Norwegian chili in that it's, it's not flaming hot. It's meant to be chili that everybody's going to enjoy to eat. You'll find the occasional real hot chili in there, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's, middle of the road on on the fire alarms 
Not so you, not too many five alarm chilies or no Texas Pete chili, huh? No, no, not normally. I mean, I won't say that it hasn't happened, but that's uh, not really our goal. Our goal is to one cook a lot of chili. We we have we do have standards on how much they need to prepare so that sure. there's enough to last. And you can usually tell the best chilies that people like because they're the ones that are gone first. Yeah. So really, it's more about raising money and making sure people get a good quality evening through food and entertainment as opposed to sticking to the rules of the national chili, huh? Uh, Exactly. In fact, you could cook the exact same chili. In fact, you could freeze half of what you cooked, come back the next year after you won the championship and never place. Uh, The judges judges are are people off the street. you know, they're, they're not trained in any way or another. A lot, a lot of times just local, uh, well-known individuals that volunteer their time in exchange for drinking a little wine and adult beverages and, and eating a lot of chili and, you know, lifetime supply of Tums or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Right, right. Pepto-Bismol at the door, right. Um, they've got... Uh competition bravado in the uh bach and barbecue i like to call it barbecue bravado and so the chili competition would obviously have some bravado um how how does the competitions get does it get pretty heated amongst the competitors or is it uh more about just you know kicking back and having a good time well there's a lot of you know fun competition right uh we, we try to create a competition between the teams at a number of levels, not just the, the cooking of the chili. Um, there's trophies, you know, awarded for different for the winners and at several levels. There's a people's choice, but we also have fundraising awards uh, for teams that are able to bring in the maximum amount of money, independent of the proceeds at the door uh, and donations. Uh, teams put on uh, games. Every, every team is expected to have some type of game. Usually a lot of them are, are drawings or little uh, events where they're dart throwing. or who knows, you know, There's all, all manner of games that each team puts on to help fundraise money, and then they give away prizes as well. All of that goes into picking the most valuable team, for example, that also gets a trophy. Uh, we sponsor the trophies also. So that's just another way we make money. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it's all about having fun and, and, and generating as much money as we can to give back to the community. Talking Monty Bessler about the API Williston Chili Cook-Off. He's also the owner and proprietor of Frackinator Consulting. Just a quick commercial for you here. Appreciate you taking the time to help promote the chili cook-off, but at least give you an opportunity to talk about your business a little bit. I imagine, you know, your time and everything is is uh, well-loved by the API people. I mean, you know, you know quite a bit about the oil and gas business, but what is the Frackinator Consulting business? What is it you guys do? Well, it, it's a single proprietary ownership. So I'm a independent hydraulic fracturing design and uh, I guess you call it supervision consulting. Um, I do work with other consultants, but primarily I, I provide uh, 
what I call uh, the North Dakota um, experience in uh, fracturing. I've been involved with uh, North Dakota since 1981. Uh, the Bakken's nothing new to me. The very first well I fracked in North Dakota was in 1981, and it was a Bakken well. No kidding. Uh, yeah, so been at it. I was... Uh, did work on the very first horizontal Bakken shale well um, in 1987, I believe. So. I, you know, I want to I want to sidebar for just a second, if I, if you wouldn't mind, and ask you a question because you you've been working in the oil and gas industry for what 30, 40 years? Is that? That'll be 30, uh, 38 years okay. coming up here. So yeah, almost forty years, and you've lived through the booms and the busts. And have you been in Williston, prim- or primarily Dickinson and Williston, that whole time? Yeah, all but the first couple of years okay. out of college. I worked in Texas, but so you you've seen it firsthand in terms of a lot of the oil and gas companies donating money to the local schools and donating to the local hospitals and donating to um, what was that? What was that outfit we talked about a few years ago down in Dickinson that um, that we. Able, thank you, Able. I keep thinking Head Start, but it was Able, A-B-L-E, Inc., Able, you know, yep. d- donating to things like that to where I just got off the phone with uh, Brent Boger with the new North Dakota of, uh, um, tax revenue history. So the historicals over the last 10 years, how much each county has received in that sort of thing. And one of the things that we kind of got off on, sidebarred a little bit, was Okay, not only does the state of North Dakota get a lot of tax revenue from the oil and gas world, and it's like 50% actually. Um, And then when you take a look at the nomadic employees that buy the vehicle registrations and, you know, are living in the hotels, and so they they use the sales tax and the... the, uh, uh, um, recreational taxes and that sort of thing we kind of said maybe actually if you took a microscope further it would be like 60 percent of taxes come from the oil and gas industry indirectly but then we even got a little bit further down and started uncovering these gifts you know the million dollars one oak gives to watford uh, uh, medical community so they can actually have an emergency room and you know these big donations that quite honestly a lot of times the government was funding in the past because these are pillars and staples of the community. Um, what have you seen over the last 30 years when it comes to that that side of things, that donation side where, you know, the Ables and the um, uh, Head Starts and that sort of thing? Have you seen that over the past, you know, 30, 40 years, or is this relatively a new phenomenon, I guess is what I'm no, asking. No, it, it, it's been going on. I've been an API member in other organizations like the Society of Petroleum Engineers and um, the whole time that I've been in North Dakota, and it's it's been continuous. Uh, the donations to different events and, and helping schools out with playground equipment and, and sporting teams, you know, small school sporting teams with uniforms and uh, it, it, the list goes on and on, and a lot of that information and a lot of those donations and monies kind of go under the radar, unfortunately. I, you know, I, I don't think that our industry has been really good at promoting that kind of stuff, but I think it's because we just don't see it as as being as, you know, I, I don't want to say the word special because it is special, uh, but we 
just think it's something we should do, and so we don't go out of our way to 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 promote it. But uh, we probably should. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal amount of money. It's a tough one. Um, you know, the the thing is, is that the oil and gas industry a lot of times is damned if they do and they're damned if they don't because they'll give the money and then they don't say anything and then they think they're trying to be quiet and buy somebody off and then if they do promote it then they say oh look at them they're bragging so no matter what they yeah. do the the opposition's just going to spin the narrative negative against them when you know in in reality that's not ever the intention of the oil and gas industry that i've seen now i've only been a part of this industry for 10 years and the 10 years yeah. the 10 years that i've seen has has really opened my eyes to how important the uh, community and culture is um, to the oil and gas industry. I, I, I just really don't think people that live outside of those communities really understand that. And I think they should. I really think they should because, like I was saying, if you start talking about how much a state is reliant on taxes and then you start uncovering that onion and then you notice that not only does a state of like North Dakota, for example, get a lot of money from the oil and gas uh, companies, the oil and gas companies still are giving to the nonprofits and to the local uh, communities that can't have enough government money to pay for simple services. That's just amazing to me. I've never seen any state like that. Have you? You lived in Texas. No, but... it, it, it actually, the state is, you know, and the oil industry in this state has been recognized nationally. But again, within the oil industry, for that very fact of how how well we do in this state um, at supporting local industries, and, and for instance, some of the um, the ND uh, North Dakota Petroleum Council events that go out and, and teach uh, the locals about things in the in the oil industry, what's actually going on on a well when we're fracturing, um, helping them out with land lease. Uh, information um stuff that doesn't happen in every state and i think north dakota has been leading the way for a few years now for certain in that regard uh, and should be celebrated uh, you know and you, what you were talking about for the, the damned if you do damned if you don't it's it's interesting because if you look at the api chapters for instance that we're talking about here for the chili cook-off the gumbo cook-off uh they're actually expressly forbidden by their by their uh, bylaws uh, that come down from the parent API organization from lobbying in any way, shape, or form. Uh, <laughs> yet they, you know, they could be accused of it. Really? Yeah, it, it's written right in the bylaws. I actually had to enforce that a couple times when I was a, a past uh, president of the API chapter here. Uh, well, let's talk about that cook-off one more time. Let's kind of give people a little bit of a summary and um, what to expect, that sort of thing. So uh, is there is there uh, any prizes or raffles or, or um, if you're a cooker, do you, you know, do you, in addition to the trophy, do you get bragging rights or just kind of g g give us a an overview? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, there's, there is, uh, you know, there, the, the trophies uh, um, are nice trophies and, and uh, but there are, uh, Small, uh, there's door prizes given away to everybody. You know, everybody qualifies, including the team members. Uh, and then, uh, as I mentioned before, at every booth they have games, which 
some of those prizes are, are awesome. I mean, like um, big coolers and and heck, fire uh, you know rifles and some of the some of the raffles are are unbelievable. Uh, you know, I won a, about an eleven hundred dollar bison football uh, a, uh, tailgating setup. Awesome. Uh, so I, one year, and I uh, there's a there's a raffle uh, um, ahead of time for several prizes, which again are, are quite nice. Usually involving you know like half a beef or TVs or any number of different things. Uh, so yeah, there's there's certainly uh, one of the things that, that you know because it's a pretty big event and there's also adult beverages involved. It is limited to 21 and older, uh, so you know we don't. We used to have children there, but that became impractical at some point when uh, when the venues set up their own bars in there. We we no longer could do that, unfortunately. <laughs> I love it. That's, yeah, well, and, and I'll I'll just say the chili cook-off is is got a legendary reputation in the state, right? That's well, a, you know, it's very well known. When I was when I was chairman or, or president of the ABI, I actually got a a team from Seattle that had heard about it and wanted to come out and come in <laughs> and be in the event, and they did. Unfortunately, they expected to win, and, and so. They didn't come back because they didn't win, but they didn't realize, I don't think, at what level of a charity event it was rather than a official chili cook-off competition. Right, right. <laughs> well, uh, have you got a website or a Facebook page, anything like that? Well, you can go to Williston Basin API and just Google that, and you'll come up with a, the Williston Basin API chapter webpage, and on that page, it will you can select the links it'll direct you to information about the chili cook-off uh, donations if you wish to uh, we take all kinds of donations and we acknowledge our donors all the way from 100 on up uh, you know in uh, classes of bronze silver gold diamond platinum and black gold depending on the level of the of the donations and then we we take uh, gifts as well to give away as door prizes uh, and those you know, we try to value them appropriately and, and acknowledge them on, and uh, dollar-wise to get them a level of, of recognition for their if they donate a very nice prize. So, um, yeah, it's uh, and then later on in the evening uh, we have Slam Obama, who's a fantastic band, music dance band, uh, goes on until about eleven thirty. Uh, it's uh, it's a packed event. If you come there, you can expect to be in a line to get in, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's quite it's quite the fun deal. It's like you say, it's pretty well known, and the waiting list to get in as a team is sometimes years waiting, unless you can find somebody who will co-op with you on a on a site because there's a limited number of spots. And, so it, it's very, very well-known and popular event. It's like Green Bay Packer tickets. Someone's got to die before you can get in there. Jeez. That's, that, uh, that was the joke for a long time. That's, so. And we're talking about the uh, 38th annual API Williston Ch uh, Chili Cook-Off ha happening in the Grand Williston, February 9th 
2019. Doors open at 3 p.m. Chili is served at 5 p.m. And go ahead and mention a few of your sponsors, maybe some of the big big ticket sponsors that um, you know pay to get their name out there and, and uh, let people know that they're a part of that. Do you have any of the big sponsors this year? Uh, well, we have a lot of the usual ones. A lot of them are the team sponsors like J-Mac and Halliburton and Slumberjay and MDU, just to name a few. Um, but it's all, a lot of them the same ones, <laughs> just like we mentioned, to get in. But once they get a spot, Baker is another one. Um, it, it's hard to, to get them out unless you can, you can work out a deal to co-sponsor a spot <laughs> with them. And that's happened a lot. Because we, we love it when we get more more companies involved. It's just more money for the charities and and uh, donations that uh, the API gives out, and they get a little recognition for it. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the time today. And looks like we'll be seeing you February 9th at uh, 3 o'clock at the Grand Williston for the 38th Annual Cook-Off. Do we leave anything out? Oh, um, there's some, if, if you really want to see some fun things, Get there early and before the food served because it's usually from about three on, maybe even uh, a little bit earlier than that. Actually, when the teams get there, but they have a lot of games that the uh, the team members participate in out on the on the floor there that are, are somewhat entertaining. Well, to say the least. Since you brought it up, I w- I didn't want to ask, but I will now. What time do you guys let teams start setting up? Well, they usually start coming in and you know about daybreak actually because people it, it's so you know it's such a big event people ought, ought to come in and, and get a room the night before and then start because when you start when you see again there's a there's also a best booth competition and i mean to tell you some of the uh, the booths that are built there are out of this world i mean it you know it takes all of you know six seven hours just to put them together well, I, you know, I've been I've been told, you know, Slam is good and everything, but the real entertainment's between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. when the teams are setting up and and starting to maybe have a little, you know, a little festivity going, you know, a little competition, oh, yeah. that sort of thing, and then and the people aren't little, there yet, little, so their manners aren't 100 percent yet. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of inter team banter and stuff going on early on when they're cooking their food and setting up their booths and everything and uh, yeah. prior prior to the official opening of the doors well three, yeah you know that that's always the fun part and so if to be a fly on the wall during that time is always the best i mean that's just yeah that's good times there but well all right sir thank you much and we'll uh you know any of these events you got coming in the future just shoot me a line and we'll get you on okay all right sounds good thank you sir thank you jason